Glory to God. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for faith in Christ Jesus. Thank God for the word of life. The gospel is the power of God to save and to mature us. Hallelujah. The gospel is the only healthy diet for the Christian. I bring you the word of God again this morning. And we've been studying biblical discernment. Biblical discernment or biblical discernment. And um, this is part eight. Praise God. And most likely we're going to finish this week and conclude this weekend and move on to something else. We'll come back to biblical discernment some other time. Praise God. You know, there's no particular truth or instruction in scriptures that we can exhaust in one series. Praise God. So we'll come back to this again some other time. But then we'll exhaust, we'll finish for now, rather, this weekend. Hallelujah. Let's say a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the entrance of the same that brings light and clarity, illumination to our hearts. Thank you because our lives will not remain the same. We are instructed in the way to go and we have the strength and the courage to obey. Thank you, Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who prayed. Hallelujah. Okay, so biblical discernment. And in the last episode, we saw again how the ministry gifts have been saddled to birth and instill discernment in the saints. Praise God. And then we walk through some scriptures to see how that the instructions and the cautions and the warnings were given to believers and to saints to be well of men because it is men that will minister deception. Listen, this is very important. It, it, it's a vital thing you must take away from this series that the caution, the instruction, the admonition, you know, to be aware and to be vigilant and to be watchful in, in matters of doctrine has to do with men because Satan would always use men to propagate errors. Praise God. Satan will use men to propagate errors. Look at how Paul says this at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll read from verse 14. The Bible says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us that fuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of life, um, to, the, to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life, leading to life. And we are sufficient for these things. For we are not as so many. Hallelujah. Verse 17. We are not as so many peddling the word of God. But as of sincerity. But as of sincerity as from God. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. We are not as so many peddling the word. Hallelujah. We are not as so many peddling the word. So there are, there are so many that are peddling the word of God. Hallelujah. Lots of people, and you know, they are humans. This is not about imaginary beings. It's not about some spirit somewhere. It's about humans, men. Men who are agents and, you know, vessels of, of Satan. Men who are yielding to satanic inspirations. Men who have yielded themselves to the works of darkness. Men who are propagating the error of, of, of the devil himself and, pro, pro, and spreading and propagating his falsehood. Men, we are not as so many that corrupt the word of God. Listen. It doesn't mean that everybody that is preaching error is, is, is um, a child of Satan or is, is an unbeliever, is not born again. No. It just means that you know, Satan has been able to use that person as a tool. Praise God. That person is some way, somehow, maybe due to his ignorance or due to his um, laziness or slothfulness in study, has become a tool in the hand of the, of, of the devil, of Satan himself, to propagate his error. So this is a vital thing to take away from this 
teaching from this series that it is, you know, men that are used of God and it is men that are used of Satan. This is why the instruction and the caution is towards men and against men. Praise God. So it is not about us, you know, beefing people. And you need to listen to this. We, we are not saying, um, or let me say for my, let me speak for myself. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm right. They are wrong. That's not the idea here. You, and you must never make that mistake. It is not about I'm right. What I'm saying is the truth. What they are saying is, is error. No, it's about whoever is saying the truth. Hallelujah. So just like Paul would say, even if we or an angel from heaven, even if we, even if it is I, hallelujah, or someone else that is saying something contrary to what the Bible has you know, revealed to us as the truth, as the mind of God, as the gospel, let such a man be accursed. It is not about respect of persons. Praise God. And I would like us to see Galatians chapter 2. So you must never make that mistake to think I'm saying, oh, I'm always right, or some of us are always right, and others are always wrong. No. It is about whoever is saying the truth consistently from the scriptures. Galatians chapter 2. Glory to God. I read from verse 1. Bible says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took titles with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel, which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who have reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus was, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, um, secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Look at verse 6. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, um, took me as the gospel for the uncircumcised, uh, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Now, verse 6 is very key. It says, but from those who seem to be something. And Yahweh was referring to the apostles. Hallelujah. Who were perceived to be the pillars in the church. The strong guys, the leaders. Men who had the um, authority over the early church. And then he says, from these people, who, you know, who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. Because God shows personal favoritism to no man. I know that was the reason why Paul was able to check the attitude of Peter when it was contrary to the gospel. Hallelujah. When it was contrary to the gospel. He was able to check his, you know, his actions. And if you read carefully down this chapter, you discover that that was where Paul made mention of that event. At verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For certain men... For, when, uh, for before certain men came down from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw, hallelujah, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? The reason why I was able to check the actions of Peter was because he had concluded that whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. Hallelujah. 
Paul says, Paul says, I'm persuaded God does not show personal favoritism to any man. If you are in error, no matter what degree, no matter what title, no matter what office or position you hold in the body of Christ, if you are in error, you are in error and you should be called to order. Hallelujah. If your words are misleading, if your actions are misleading, we have a right to question it and to set things right. Praise God. And then, you know, I've, I've heard people, you know, come up with all kinds of reasons why Paul did what he did to Peter in this place. People have said, you know, it was because Peter came to Paul's jurisdiction. Paul was the one overseeing the church at Antioch. So Peter was in Jerusalem. So, you know, um, Peter came from Jerusalem to Antioch where Paul was the leader. And then so Paul had the right to, you see, of all those kind of, of, of all those kind of um, excuses people have brought up, none of, none of those things are actually stated in scriptures. Paul told us the reason why he did what he did. And we should stay with that. Paul said, when I saw that they were not walking, uh, they were not walking straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to them, I said to Peter before them all, the reason why Paul did what he did was because they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. It was not because it was, his, it was in Antioch. Whether it was in Jerusalem, Antioch, or anywhere, Paul would contend and stand for the truth. Paul will contend against falsehood and stand for the truth. Paul will make a defense for the truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. You realize that at Acts 15, when they said they must be circumcised and keep the whole law, Paul took the matter to Jerusalem. So it was not about the location. Anywhere, the reason Paul did what he did was because he discovered they were not walking according to the truth of the gospel. Praise God. Because if we go by that logic of it was because that was Paul's jurisdiction, then that would mean if Paul was to be somewhere else and somebody was preaching something that was not the gospel, Paul would just shy away and look away. Not Paul. Hallelujah. Not Paul. Praise God. He did what he did because their actions and their words betray, was betraying the truth of the gospel, was, was opposing the truth of the gospel. Hallelujah. So, he says, God shows personal favoritism to no man. That means you and I have to deal with that sentiment. That, you know, emotional attachment we have, you know, towards men. We must deal with it. Hallelujah. Listen, I have people who like me so much as a pastor and as a, and as a teacher of God's word. They like me so much. They honor me. They, you know, they listen to me with so much respect. They know I'm a blessing to them. But the truth of the matter is this. I would never encourage them to just receive everything I'm saying, hook, line, and sinker. The reason why they should receive whatever I'm saying is if it is, if it is in accordance with the truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. So that's the same way I also have people I respect and I receive from. Do you understand? But then, those men, for instance, Reverend Nadia Adebayo would always say, it is possible I also mislead you. And he would say that, with, I mean, with all sense of, um, with all sense of, seriousness. Praise God. There is no jokes. I may not have an intention to mislead you, but I can. Glory to God. Every man has the potential to mislead because we are not God. So, unless my words are in agreement or in accordance with the word of God, people are not under any obligation to receive what I'm saying. Praise God. So, we must deal with that emotional attachment and sentimental you know, you know, uh, feeling that we have towards men. It is good to love men. It is good to respect people. But we must not let that becloud our sense of judgment and reasoning. We must receive objectively. Why should we receive objectively? Because the Bible says God shows personal favoritism to no man. That is, the way you and I feel towards men is not the same way God feels towards them. 
Hallelujah. Say, ah, a whole daddy geo. Ah, a whole bishop. Ah, a whole reverend. Ah, are you now saying the pastor so and so? Yeah, are you now saying reverend so and so? See, God does not feel that way towards men. Praise God. It shows personal favoritism to no man. Look at how the Amplified Version puts it. Galatians 2.6. Moreover, no new requirements were made by those who were reputed to be something. Though what was their individual position and whether they were really of importance or not makes no difference to me. God is not impressed with the positions that men hold and he is not partial and recognizes no external distinctions. Those I say who were of repute imposed by new, uh, imposed no new requirements upon me add nothing to add to my gospel and from them I received no new suggestions. Have you seen, police? see, these are very, very, very grave, you know, statements, very serious words. And then Paul is referring to the apostles. Imagine if Paul is referring to the apostle Peter, James, and the rest of them, if he's referring to them this way. Imagine how Paul will refer to our highly esteemed preachers today. Imagine, how do you think Paul will refer to me? Praise God. You think Paul will hear me preach and be, and be staggering and panicking or what? No. Praise God. That is, he, he won't receive with a mindset of, ah, such a great emoji is infallible. Paul didn't regard the apostles that had gone ahead of him as infallible in matters of doctrine. He didn't regard them as infallible. Praise God. You know, the apostles were still pay, playing politics somehow with the law of Moses, Judaism, and Christianity. They were still playing politics. That was what he was checking Paul, Peter for, rather, at Galatians chapter 2. That he mentioned at Galatians chapter 2. That's what he was checking him for. When some people came from James, Peter withdrew as though, ah, he still considers the Gentiles to be unclean. So he began to also distance himself from the Gentiles. That was playing politics with, you know, with the gospel. So Paul didn't consider them to be infallible. He called them out. These were men that were custodians of the truth. Hallelujah. So we must deal with that perception and that mindset that makes us emotionally attached and sentimental towards receiving from men and then we consider them to be infallible. Everything they say is of God. Everything they say is right. Everything they say is unquestionable and things like that. There's no such thing according to scriptures. God shows personal favoritism to no man. Hallelujah. That is, if a young man is preaching the gospel, Another person is preaching the gospel and he's, I mean, he has a wealth of experience in the ministry. He's been in the ministry for over 30 or 40 years. God would, you know, honor and acknowledge and approve the young man that is preaching the gospel above the elderly person that is not preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. God will esteem the ministry of that person above the ministry of the one that is not preaching the word. It is not about, you know, um, stature, age, societal influence or status. No, no, no. It's not about many things. It's about the mind that is rightly dividing the word of truth. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the only thing that will matter is what we have built with. Hallelujah. What we have built with. Whether we have built with um, a stubble or straw or we have built with wood or we have built with precious stones, silver, gold and all, you know, as described that first corinthians chapter 3 that will be all that will matter hallelujah that is a man of god will not appear before jesus at the judgment seat and then jesus look at him and say ah a whole man of god like this you no, no problem no i can't i can't be testing you before everybody now i mean i mean i mean i mean you are too great so so just go just go somebody else okay you come oh that's my boy come here sunday school teacher and then he will now descend on that one heavily there will, there will be no such thing hallelujah everybody will be tested on the same grounds Praise God. If your work does not endure, no matter what reputation you had upon the face of the earth, no matter the, the amount of influence you commanded or wielded in the body of Christ upon the face of the earth, if your work does not stand the test, it will be, it will be destroyed. Hallelujah. It will be destroyed. If your work stands the test, even if you were unknown on the face of the earth, your work will be qualified and you will receive a reward. 
Praise God. So listen carefully. It's not about our reputation. It's not about our personalities. Praise God. It's about the ministry, the message. God chose personal favoritism to no man. There are many Christians today who have a problem discerning the words of famous preachers. And that's like a very serious trap many folks have gotten into. Once the man is popular, he cannot be wrong. Once the man is so popular and influential, he cannot be wrong. Once the man adds wealth to it, the, the moment the man is so wealthy, they cannot discern his words. Hallelujah. And it's a grave mistake. If you know the kind of reputation and influence and you know, authority and position that the Pharisees occupied in the days of Jesus, you will repent from that mindset immediately. Those were the high and mighty. Those were the guys. Hallelujah. Those were the ones calling the shot. They were so powerful and influential, they could excommunicate people from the synagogue. Praise God. When people were confessing Jesus as Christ, the major thing that they did was to send people out of the synagogue. They, they had the right and the authority and the position to do that. Glory be to God. So, influence, fame, wealth, and all these things have nothing to do with the gospel. If a man is not preaching the word of God, no matter how famous, influential he is, it makes no difference. God shows personal favoritism to no man. Hallelujah. So, the instructions in scriptures on us being, you know, careful for, for, you know, for us to take heed how we receive are instructions that caution us against the ministries of men. Hallelujah. That caution us against the ministries of men, against messages from men, against sermons from men. Hallelujah. That caution us and help us know how to receive from men. Listen carefully. It will always be about men. It is men that have been sent to bless you. Praise God. It is also men that have been sent by Satan to mislead you. Praise God. <laughs> so it is very important you must be able to separate that which is true from that which is false look at Galatians chapter 3 let's walk through a few more scriptures um, warnings against men hallelujah Galatians chapter 3 you know, we've seen Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 to 7 or 6 to 8 where Paul says even if we are an angel from heaven preach another gospel so Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1 Bible says oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified, Paul recognized that it was some men that had bewitched the Galatian church. Praise God. The bewitching or the bewitchment, praise God, whichever one, did not come from any other source apart from men. Who has bewitched you? He was asking them the question. He knew the deception and the falsehood that had crept into their midst was from the ministries of men. Hallelujah. And then when he gets to Galatians chapter 5, look at what he says from verse 7. He says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? There was a time you were running well. Guys, what happened? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He knew it was the work of men. Hallelujah. Look at verse 8. He says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord, verse 10, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Hallelujah. He who troubles you. Remember, that was exactly the same thing they said at Acts 15. Some have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls. They had come to the Galatian church too also, and they were troubling them with words. Troubling them with false teaching. False teaching troubles people. Hallelujah. It troubles people. It unsettles their souls. So you have to be aware. You have to guard your heart carefully. And you have to be careful what you receive. Amen. He says, he who troubles you will bear his judgment. Whoever he is. Again, there's no sentiment. There's no um, respect of persons. Whoever he is, he will bear his judgment. Hallelujah. So it is about men. 
It will be about men. Look at verse 11. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Look at verse 12. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Have you seen? There will always be those who attempt to trouble the saints as there are those who attempt to edify the saints. You must make a distinction. You must know the difference. You must not just say everybody is sent of God. Everybody is preaching truth. Are we now saying, are we now, see, 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 see. This is very critical. It is critical. Your growth, your spiritual growth, your, your health as a Christian is at stake. If you receive just anything, you must be aware of these facts from the scriptures that there are men whose ministries are a trouble to the saints. Their ministries are going to trouble you. They won't settle you if you keep receiving from them. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians in chapter 2. I'll read from verse 4 to 8. Hallelujah. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Have you seen? Lest anyone, any man, should deceive you with persuasive words. Verse 5. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught abounding in him with thanksgiving. Verse 8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Beware. Hallelujah. Beware. Beware. Hallelujah. He says in verse 4, he says, I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Praise God. Persuasive words. Persuasive words. Glory to God. Very fine language, fine speaking, profound argument, something that sounds so convincing, but it is not the truth of the word of God. You must be able to make a distinction between eloquence, between sound speech and the truth of the word of God. And at verse 8, he says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. You can be spoiled. You can be cheated through philosophy. You'll be robbed of spiritual growth. You'll be robbed of effectiveness in the ministry. You'll be robbed of your peace of mind. They won't settle your soul. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Hallelujah. Back to what Paul said, said at Galatians chapter 5 verse 7. He says, you ran well. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? Sometimes my heart is bleeding. My heart is bleeding. I'm so sad. I look at some saints, some believers who were making progress in the faith before. Who were doing well in the faith. They were growing. They were learning of Christ. They were becoming more effective ministers of the gospel. And then suddenly, suddenly, some preachers crossed their paths. Or let me say they crossed the paths of some, of some preachers. And then from that moment, they began to, you know, just backslide in quotes. In quotes because I'm not referring to the use of this word in the Old Testament. I'm talking about people waning in spiritual fervency. Hallelujah. Just because certain men, you know, gained influence in their lives. They were running well. They were running away. They were obeying the truth. They were making progress in the faith. They were growing. Their priorities were set on things above. Their priorities were right. Their priorities were the right things. Glory to God. Passion for souls. Passion for prayer. Passion for the word of God. You know, they were not seeing godliness as a means for gain. Suddenly, their appetites changed. They began to develop strained emotions, strained appetites, strained feelings, strained desires. Glory to God. Just because certain men gained influence in their lives. That is the kind of impact and effect that false teachers can have in your life if you open your heart to them. If you let down your guard. So you must be vigilant. You must be aware. You must be aware. You must, you know, take to these scriptural instructions. You must heed these scriptural instructions. It says, beware. 
Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Philosophy is earthly wisdom. Praise God. Human wisdom. Something that sounds so wise. Words on the marble. Words on the marble. Words on the marble. Words on the marble. Is it in the scriptures? It's on the marble. Leave it on the marble. Praise God. You see, there are certain words or statements or things that should never find their way to the pupils. Praise God. They could be good, you know, coming from a lecturer, a professor in the university or coming from a business coach or anything, life coach, you know, but for a preacher, the wisdom we are out is the wisdom of God. So when we say we are preaching wisdom, 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 what wisdom are we talking about? Is it the wisdom of this world or the wisdom of God? Is it the wisdom of this world that is coming to nothing or the wisdom of God revealed in Christ Jesus? First Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, however, verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, verse 9, I have not seen, nor hear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of the man, except the spirit of the man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of this word, but the spirit which is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Hallelujah. Verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Hallelujah. This is the problem with many preachers that esteem and erode and proclaim and propagate the wisdom of this world. The problem is that they are trying to be relevant to the unsaved without them getting saved. Hallelujah. The wisdom that we preach and around in the church is wisdom that the world cannot relate with until they are initiated into the faith, until they are born of God, until they are converted and they, be, and they become like us. They cannot relate with what we are preaching. Paul says, none of the rulers of this age knew. Had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Praise God. Earlier in that chapter, Paul has said, and I, brethren, verse 1, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech and of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in more trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the wisdom of God is the gospel. Hallelujah. So Paul at Colossians chapter 2 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Something that sounds like the wisdom of God. Something that has a semblance of wisdom, but it is not of God. It will cheat you, it will rob you, it will deprive you of genuine growth. Hallelujah. That's why he gives the instruction in that same chapter, Colossians chapter 2. He says, as you have received the Lord Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, abounding in the same with thanksgiving. How did you receive the Lord Jesus? By listening and hearing the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That word of God is the gospel, Romans 10. So the same way you were saved is the same way you are going to grow. Hallelujah. The message and the message and the word and the teaching that got you saved is the same kind of teaching that will mature you in the faith. You don't need to look outside of Christ to find the wisdom that you need for spiritual maturity. Everything that you need is found in Christ. Hallelujah. So the same way we received him is the same way we are to continue in him, rooted and built up in him. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians 2. Let's read in context. You see that there's an emphasis on the completeness that we have in Christ. There's an emphasis on the fact that Jesus is enough and sufficient. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 1. 
Bible says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Hallelujah. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. That is, the reason why I'm saying to you that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ is so that nobody will deceive you with persuasive words. Hallelujah. So that you will know that you don't need anything outside of Christ to mature in the faith. You don't need any kind of wisdom or ideology. No matter how profound it sounds, you don't need it. You need to keep your gaze on Christ. Hallelujah. This I say, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. And then it continues. So it gets to verse 6. As you have received the Lord Jesus, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in him with thanksgiving. It goes to verse 8 again. It says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9. Again, an emphasis on the fullness that we have in Christ or the fullness that is in Christ. Verse 9, for in him draws all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. To look away from Christ is to look away from your completeness. Praise God. So again, the caution is against men, the words of men. Hallelujah. The ideologies of men, the principles of men, the philosophies of men, the traditions of men. Again, it's an instruction that calls us to discernment. Hallelujah. An instruction that calls us to a need to be discerning, that calls us to a need to guard our heart, a need to beware. Hallelujah. A need to beware lest we are deceived with persuasive words. Glory be to God. So it is very clear from scriptures that this matter of discerning teachings, discerning doctrine, and testing and scrutinizing doctrine will be about our dealings with men. Praise God. It is not about testing some imaginary beings or testing a spirit somewhere. It's about judging and testing the ministries of men that we receive. Glory to God. The ministries of men that we receive. Also, you see that so far, nothing is really said. There's no, there's no much emphasis about us judging and testing motives. It's about what is said. Hallelujah. What is said. Philosophy is something spoken. Empty deceit, traditions of men, principles of the world. These are things that are said. It says, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. It's about words. Hallelujah. So your focus should be on judging the things that are said. It should just be about the things that are said. Hallelujah. In fact, what I'm saying in essence is this. Even if you know that a man's motive is, is right, maybe based on relationship association, maybe your friend or your family member, you know that this person is not doing ministry for money or any selfish gain and things like that. You know that this person is just a victim of false teachers too and all that. Even if you know all this, it does not stop you from shielding your heart and guarding your heart from the things they see. Praise God. Because really, this is not about um, labeling people prematurely or hating people and just getting angry at people. It's possible there are those who are doing ministry and they are preaching, you know, heresies, preaching errors, but then they are just victims of unsound teachings also. However, we shouldn't, you know, focus our effort on trying to investigate motives. Let's just judge what is said. Hallelujah. Judge what is said. If it is true, receive it. If it is not true, guard your heart from error. This is really about you guarding your heart from the errors and the falsehood and deception 
of the evil one. Glory to God. So unless a man has communicated his motives at different times and it's clear to us that ah, this person is running with a very false motive or the person is obviously a lover of money and then it's known already that you know, according to scriptures that the, the God of that person is his belly. Un- unless we have such proofs that are so clear, we have no right to you know, be investigating people's motives. Let's just test the things that are said and move on. Glory to God. So we'll continue from here tomorrow. Invite your friends, relatives, colleagues. Don't forget to tune in yourself. Praise God. And let's have a great time in the word of God. And don't forget to have a great day also of being full of the word, full of faith, full of prayers, full of the spirit, spiritual songs. And don't forget to be a blessing to somebody. See you in the next episode.